Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Black Bar on Blog Talk Radio. Sit back and engage as we tackle the issues important to you and your family. It is our desire to equip you with up-to-date information, commentary, and solutions to life's biggest challenges facing our communities. Thank you for joining us as we embark on this journey to raise awareness about the importance of faith, family, and fatherhood in the African-American community and beyond. Now, here's your host, Executive Director of Fathers Incorporated, Kenneth Braswell. Welcome to the Black Bar. I'm your host, Kenneth Braswell, and you are in the midst of our eight-week dialogue about daughters. Um, This conversation and this series is a part of our National Save Our Daughters Night campaign, which takes place May the 8th. If you want more information on that, you can visit our website at www.saveourdaughtersnight.com, or you can go to our company website at fathersincorporated.com. This is a campaign that um, follows the successful campaign of National Save Our Sons Night, where across the country we had 111 organizations in 60 cities uh, create events and activities to encourage the relationship between fathers and their sons. And we hope to do the same thing on May 8th by encouraging these same fathers and others to create activities and events to encourage the relationship between fathers and their daughters. And so we've had a um, plethora of great minds around the country who have spoken to us throughout this series around issues pertaining to our girls. And today is no different. Um, Our guest today is Princess Beth. Um, She is the founder of uh, Princess Best Speaks and Royal Voices. She's a hip-hop mama, a crusader for all things girl, a people connector, an intergenerational communicator, theatrical educator, mother-daughter relationship trainer, female leadership speaker. She is Princess Best. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I can't complain whatsoever, and even if you, even if I did, who would care? Right, and true indeed, true indeed. <laughs> so I want to get you on the phone, and I thank you so much, my girl, my girl Goldie, um, introduced me um, to you. Like I said, any friend of hers is a friend of mine. She is just a phenomenal, phenomenal um, person, and yeah, she has um, taught me a lot or reintroduced me um, to the importance of including the voice of our young people in our work. And mm-hmm. so when I began to put together this series, um, my thought was we could not have this conversation without having um, that that voice as a part of this conversation. And I was so um, intrigued by looking at your stuff, particularly the fact that um, you're doing intergenerational leadership work, and I think that that is critical. A lot of people don't even recognize the importance of being able to connect um, our generations together in the work that is necessary for us to do to uplift our people. So I commend you on that work. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm a, I'm a reflection, so you know we you know that which you see is is also that which you're already doing. So you know. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about the work and the stuff that you're doing currently. Well, so currently, um, 
so Princess Best Speaks is a, is a platform uh, for uh, women of color voices on the mic, particularly black, uh, particularly black women, black women in America, and then sort of fusing that out into uh, Africa and different regions and beyond. Um, and Royal Voices um, is a sort of um, sort of side pocket to that in terms of um, it's called Readying Our Young Aspiring Leaders Voices, and it's really about um, giving giving voice to um, the younger younger generation of girls and understanding um, the, the way in which they actually communicate mm-hmm. and understanding that if you are a person that does work, I mean, particularly with youth, but youth of any kind, but specifically with girls, is that you have to understand the language surrounding, you know, surrounding that. So Royal Voices is a platform that uses uh, hip-hop theater, uh, hip-hop theater and public speaking um, for girls to be able to craft uh, to craft messages, whether that be and, and using the microphone, like the microphone is the weapon. Um, it is, you know, um, because a lot of times uh, girls are discouraged from speaking up and um, in hip-hop in particular, you know, the numbers dwindle and dwindle down and so kind of like, you know, putting that putting that energy back into uh, encouraging them to pick up the microphone um, in different, you know, in whatever way that is possible, public speaking, whether that's rapping, whether that's theater. Um, you know, some people, they do uh, poetry, but my specific um, genres are, you know, hip-hop, theater, because um, that's what I, you know, those are things that I grew up in theater first and then being introduced into hip-hop. When you look at hip-hop today, and so we know that um, – genres and we know that cultures shift and move and so one could make the argument um, that the jazz culture has passed us by another could make the argument that the R&B culture has passed us by are we still within the hip hop culture are we on the cusp of it where are we with respect to hip hop today um, I think, I mean, now, I would say that I, I, I'll give you my, my expertise, and then I would say I would, I would refer to some younger people, right? Um, the way I see it is that um, hip-hop has not, you know, I think as people say, it hasn't, it hasn't died. It's always there. I think the culture has expanded. Um, and I think just like with anything, when you, um, as, as generations pass, right, we, we want it to stay as the same thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but because, you know, newer newer generations, new expressions come out, it um it transforms because of how um my my daughter's talking, you wanna say hi? Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um we're I'm, I'm doing a radio interview. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> um, so I think that um, the the state of hip hop, you know, I mean, in terms of like, have, has it passed us by? I don't think so. I think that that's why I always say, you know, I always start off with, I'm a hip hop mama because as long as I'm doing it, then it's still there. Mm-hmm. I, and I think what happens is, is that we stop, we stop doing it mm-hmm. um, because there's this idea that there is. Uh, an age cap or a uh or you know what I mean it's like that you and but no other no other music mm. says that you have to stop doing it because you're a certain age yeah. and so I think that we just have to reject the notion that 
that because you're, you know, if, even if you're approaching 40, well, you know, like 40, 50, whatever, like, you know what I mean? Some of the pioneers of, of hip hop are in well into their, you know, 40, 40s, 50s, you know, 60s and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. as long as they still do it, then it, you know, it lives. Yeah. Now the way in which uh, you the way in which you see it today, it might be it might take on a different form, but I think it took on a different form when I was young. So. Absolutely, you know, it, it our music has always been an expression of our reality, mm-hmm. and so it is no different with hip hop music. I mean, I am mm-hmm. a baby, you know, of the hip hop culture. Um, mm-hmm. I remember the day. I remember the moment as clear as my hand in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, in the park playing basketball, the first time that the Sugar Hill Gang's Rapper's Delight was played on the radio. I remember that moment. I remember the confusion of all of us not knowing whether that was someone's mixtape or was that actually the radio. And for Mm -hmm. us, that was the introduction of this culture um, into mainstream media. Over time, you know, one of the things that we um, have struggled with, I guess, in all areas of our culture, um, and you talked about it earlier, and that is being able to give um, strength and voice um, to our girls. And even within the hip-hop culture and the hip-hop industry, we have always struggled um, to give um women and girls the space that they have needed to express their own struggles, their own concerns, their own loves. Um, how do we and have we been able to deal uh, with how we allow our girls to express themselves vis-a-vis hip-hop? Well, I think the first thing that you have to do is to recognize um is to recognize at this point what what the reason for not having been expressing yourself is like you gotta start there um and if you peel back the if you peel back the layers to that uh much of the reason particularly with uh particularly with black girls when it comes to self expression that comes to a passed down um layered tradition of non-expression, mm-hmm. you know, or, or or only one type of expression, and um and 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 we in in the times that that has happened, it has been necessary for survival. But then what then happens is it transforms, you know, it, it transforms into then I don't then I don't even see myself as a person who can do that. You know, there was a study done on um on when you ask young women like young women who actually do know how to rap, like uh, if they're rappers, they would say they're a poet before they would say they're a rapper. You know, and that in itself kind of tells you, you know, uh, because what happens is is that okay. You, if you're a if you're a, a female who uh, says something um, who, who who might be you know spitting something lyrically, um, it, depending on the content of what you're saying, it's like oh 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 you like a you're you're a spoken word type of rapper. No, it's like no you're you're a rapper. <laughs> like you 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 know you spit. So I think that people. Uh, label uh, um, actually uh, minimalize the voice without even knowing it because that's what they're predisposed to doing. You know, you one, know? yeah. You know, one of the things that the baby boomer generation and I was on the cusp of that. I think two months on the mm-hmm. edge of the baby boomer um, generation, and one of the biggest 
um, I guess, conversations has been the lack of the passing of the baton um, mm-hmm. from one generation to the next. And oftentimes you will hear our youth talk about our failure to be able to pass on leadership um, to them. And I will at least pose the question with respect to our hip-hop culture. And mm-hmm. the question to them has always been, look within that particular culture, you will find the same thing. Have you seen um, the culture of hip-hop being passed on from those who were a part of the origin of this and those who have now taken it over? Oh well, I mean, you know, I mean, there's a, I mean, there's a straight co-opting always when, whenever, um, you know, it's like, it's like something being underground, mm-hmm. right? When it starts out underground and it's, you know, it's just, you know, it's a small party, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the bigger, you know, the bigger it becomes, you know, the sometimes the less, the less likely you are to know the foundation. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say that there are some people who are very good about keeping um, the origins alive, and that's where you get remixes and sampling and, like, all of that type of stuff from. Mm-hmm. Um, but... But, but I do think that there's a danger in when hip hop gets uh hip hop gets co-opted that then um you don't because you you know what I mean like it you know this is a this is a music that was born out of you uh, uh young people young people needing to say something mm-hmm. so I think that if you don't if if you co-opt that and and do not understand that that is where it comes from, then you're going to get something, you know, you're going to get something, you're going to get something different. So I think that there they, there are some people who stay connected to the originators, and then there's some people who say, well, I don't have to do that. I mean, it is what it is. You don't, you know, you don't own it, <laughs> and um, and I'm going to take it, you know, I'm going to take it where I'm going to take it. So I think you you get you know, you get both sides. But particularly if, if I could speak to women passing on the baton in hip hop, first of all, I think it's inherently difficult to even um, navigate in uh, in hip hop. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can have water. Um, it, it, it's, um, you know, as a woman, a, a, a female artist, I think that um, it is, people don't understand the dynamics of what that means to, you know, to, in terms of passing on the baton. What I'd like to really see happen, which, and I'm, um, one of the things that is that we have to think about not only just economics, but like, so for instance, when I say that I'm interested in um, young black girls of, uh, girls of color, you know, as far as their voices is concerned, well, collectively, when we look around, how many women, in hip hop, actually own studios, wow. right? Who mm-hmm. actually own, you know, say, who actually have created um, not only just labels, right, mm-hmm. but have created a space so that beca- because they already know that there is a challenge going into that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then, then it's a necessity to create that space because if those stories are important. You know what I mean? But we have to look at who it's who it's important to, and we have to be the ones to create that um, so that it gets you know so that it gets passed on. But I, but I think to the, to the degree what happens is with women they're 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 trying to hold their position. Everybody's trying to hold their position, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that it becomes difficult because trying to just hold your position with all of the opposition that comes 
on the uh, the side of that, then trying to step, you know, uh, reinvent and brand and and do all of that stuff can become difficult. Also, the biggest thing, and I was just speaking with somebody about this yesterday, about passing on the baton, we don't ever speak about why women leave the microphone. Mm. And and that is a huge difference um, a lot of times from um, the male counterparts in hip-hop. A lot of times women become mothers, you know, um, they, um, they mature, you know, in terms of their content, and and we're seeing we're seeing that even right now, even in the face of hip hop, R and B, and stuff like that, as women are becoming more mature, their material is forcing them to change, whether they want, you know what I mean, whether they want to or not. Um, and if that becomes less desirable for you know for whomever, then that's when we have to step in and say, you know, okay, well then that means that we've got to create spaces. For, uh, for this to continue. Wow. You're listening to The Black Bar. I'm your host, Kenneth Braswell, and you are in the mix of our dialogue about daughters series. It's a part of our National Save Our Daughters Night campaign that takes place on May 8th. For more information on the campaign, you can visit our website at www.saveourdaughtersnight.com. Princess, when you look at the Obamas and you look at particularly Michelle, what has she done for the image of girls? Hmm. See now that's a that's an interesting question. I think that um I think that one thing that is very clear is that she has um if not not so much legitimized but but um stood as a symbol that motherhood uh motherhood is an important uh element and and connecting with her do- and connecting with your daughters is a very important element um and and just having that generational uh with her mother being there uh that three that three generations of of, of black girls and women like i think that that is huge mm-hmm. um to you know first of all to be able to see that that three generations um, so I think it just it makes it um it makes it visible. Um, I think that uh um the other thing that she talks about, uh, one thing that I like that she did that um I thought was very, very intergenerational was when she did the 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 healthy food uh turn up for what, you mm-hmm. know, and she was holding a turn up. Mm-hmm. And she basically did like an ad for um, healthy healthy foods, but she, and she was holding a turn up. But she, but you know whoever you know I don't know if she decided that or whoever the marketing person was, but I thought that that was a brilliant strategy mm-hmm. to you you know because the reality is is that sixty percent of like black girls and women die of heart disease every year. Mm-hmm. So when you can put somebody in a position that. Uh, people look at as an icon who is talking about health, you know, and they're using hip hop as a as a vehicle in a way. Then you're doing something. I think you're doing something innovative that then allows for a conversation that girls probably wouldn't have, regard, you know, uh, in just general setting. You know, mm. they're not gonna be talking about turnips. Right. So, you know, that's interesting that you talked about three generations of black women being in the household, I, I mean, in the White House. I'd never thought about that before. That is a very interesting, interesting conversation um, mm-hmm. to have and something that we should be proud of. I often 
um, have said that, you know, with the Obamas being in the White House and particularly their daughters, it's probably over the last now seven years or so, six or six and a half years, um, mm-hmm. the first time that hip hop has probably been played in the White House as consistently as it has. And mm-hmm. so I remember, oh, absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they probably was never a hip hop song played in the White House. Well, with the exception of maybe the Bush girls, because they was just kind of off the hook. So you don't know what they were <laughs> doing in the White House. But let's take a sharp twist um, mm-hmm. from. From Michelle Obama in terms of her image with respect to girls, let's mm-hmm. talk about Nicki Minaj for a minute, and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. and her image. Uh, what mm-hmm. do you think about her imagery with respect to girls? Well, you know, it's funny. I have had a transition and shift in my um, in my my feeling and my 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 speaking about Nicki Minaj mm-hmm. because when um, and I think like like many. Uh, uh, women who do work with girls, the initial impact of seeing Nicki Minaj, um, at, you know, as she as she was, was that it was it was jarring because the, because the idea is that particularly in 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 hip hop that there is no that there's not a lot of variation in depth. And I believe that, you know, black women and girls have a have a variety of things. Like, I don't think that if the one end is Michelle and the other end is Nikki, there's a lot of things in between. Mm-hmm. And we just don't hear enough about the in-between. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that is what I think is... It's part of the part of the problem. So the first thing was was that you know I was personalizing what I thought what I thought her projected image was doing to girls. But that also but I also had the honor that that was also probably some of my own personal stuff because of the type of content that I write, right? Um, but then as I began to look at it further, um, I, and I began to actually um, look at. Um, and then I begin to talk to you know the girls that I'm that I um, that I mentor that are that are in programs and things of that nature and their response is quite different. And if you are a person who does women and girls work, one thing you better know is you actually better listen to what the girls are saying because the last thing that you want to do is invalidate someone that they feel. Um, is doing something positive in their life. You know what I mean? No, no, and it can be subjective to us, right? It can be subjective to us to say, well, if I just come in and I say, well, you know, Nicki Minaj is not good for any girl's image. Well, I don't really know that for sure. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can, you know, you, you know, so it's very easy to say, it, it's very easy to say, oh, well, you know, because I'm not sure what girls are listening to her. So if we're talking about the girl who is contemplating suicide and she throws on a Nicki Minaj song and she sees that she rose from, she rose from certain things, then she very well may be a positive influence for that girl because of whatever it is that she's going through. So I couldn't say that. That's not, you know, that she, you know, I used to be like, oh, well, she's not empowering. She's not this because of what my ideal of that were, Mm -hmm. you know. And I'm shifting because as I'm listening to her, she is she is positioning herself as uh, her her role that from what I from her mouth is that 
she wants to show that a woman can be a hip hop mogul that she that no one ever achieved the mogul status and so if you look at her career um she has she has done that 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 was what her purpose was was mm-hmm. um so for girls who are looking to get into you know the business of the business of music her her purpose was to show just that. Now, if people want to go deeper about imagery and what you know, um, imagery and what you know what that is, I think that um, then we get into uh, subjectiveness of policing of uh, people's bodies. And I think that the hugest thing that with that I see people comment on in regards to projected image is the fact that when when a lot of people see Nicki Minaj's picture, mm-hmm. they are reminded of Sarah Bartman, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And um, and there is a long line of difference and, and, and a long line of history that we can begin to actually talk about that came out of uh, sexual uh, oppression, um, you know, on, you know, um, exploitation and all of that type of stuff. But I think that in order to have that conversation, we have to release a lot of the shame that goes on with girls in particular with their own bodies. Mm, You know what I mean? So Nicki Minaj becomes the target when in reality she can be a vehicle for a very, very good conversation if we understand how to focus it. So I'm not as concerned about I'm not as concerned about Nicki Minaj and how how big or small her butt is or, or what she looked like in a video because the conversation can become um the conversation can become historically about you learning about Sarah Bartman, but you might not have even you might not have even had the opportunity to have that conversation had it not been for that hip hop video. Had it not been for Anaconda and people saying, Oh, well this reminds me of Sarah Bartman, that young that young girl might not know who Sarah Bartman is. Right. And you, you, you know what I mean? So it's, it's so, I mean, and it's a slippery slope. Don't get it twisted. Like it's, it's a slippery slope. But I also think, then again, I go back to her, you know, her interviews. And in her interviews, she says that so many girls write her who have had body image issues, and they are so excited when they see her videos because they feel that she is projecting an image of confidence. And again, it becomes you don't know what a young girl is dealing with, right? Mm-hmm. So every every young girl does not aspire to uh, wear a business suit like Michelle Obama, right? Mm-hmm. Every every um or or you know, and I think Michelle Obama, you know, has a whole, you know, what I mean, every and and so I think that we can we we start to leave girls out when we only leave certain options. We start to leave girls out when we don't um when we don't make different songs that speak to the depth of different things that girls are going through. So if the only images that we offer are you're either uh a boardroom boss, you know what I'm saying, or you know what I'm saying, or the or, or the the you know what I'm saying the the slutty chick, you know what I'm saying? Like, if those are the, th- the only things that we offer, then we miss the really 
valuable stories that girls have to tell that are all in between. Yeah, you know, one of the other intriguing relationships and intriguing um, scenarios that has taken place, um, particularly in the hip-hop world over the last few years, mm-hmm. is Rihanna and Chris Brown. And yeah. so, you know, I very, so I, I resonate when you say um, that we need to listen to our girls to understand their perspective of a situation before you try mm-hmm. to lace it with your own personal perspective. Mm-hmm. Because when yeah. my daughter came home um, after that day, you know, after that happened, she was a, um, I'm talking about, you know these girls, when they hook on to a boy teen idol, they just hook on really hard. Every poster in their room was of of Chris Brown. She just loved and adored and idolized this kid. And you know when she she was devastated when she was in the past. She felt like it happened to her. (laughs) Absolutely. And so when she came home, you know, I didn't say anything, you know, and she was sitting in her room and I just happened to walk by her room and I just kinda stopped in the doorway and she was just like, you know, looking at me and I could tell that this had like really, really bothered her. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, what are you going to do? And she just kind of like very quietly said that she was getting ready to take all of her Chris Brown stuff down. She was getting ready She was getting ready to strip her room um, mm-hmm. of Chris Brown stuff. And I said, you know, I said, don't think that I was standing here to force you to do that. I said, however, I am curious as to why you've decided to do it. And Mm -hmm. she went through the conversation of, you know, not knowing the entire story but understanding how wrong it was and not rushing to judgment and not having the imagery and accepting, um, you know, that this is an acceptable behavior with respect to girls. And so I was completely proud that she understood why. Accent. Mm -hmm the storyline. You know what I'm saying? That she didn't have mm-hmm. to know the storyline of what took place in the car, why it took place, how it took place. All mm-hmm. she knew that that was unacceptable behavior. Mm-hmm. But then when mm-hmm. we had the broader conversation a couple of days later, um, mm-hmm. I asked her the question. I said, so what's the conversation in your school, you know, amongst your friends? And mm-hmm. she said to me, she goes, most of my friends, you know, think that it should have happened that mm-hmm. she should not have taken